invitation. Well, we're going to continue our Pray Like This series. Um, Have you enjoyed this series as much as I have? I have really enjoyed the messages that Alex has brought that have really helped us to break down the Lord's Prayer and, and Jesus coming to his disciples and giving them direction on how to come to God in prayer. I want to reiterate a couple of things that Alex has shared. Uh, one of those is that this is a blueprint for prayer, but reading it from beginning to end isn't um, what it's intended to be. But what it's intended to be is just parameters that help us um, to understand how we come to God. And, and as Alex shared, the, first, uh, the whole prayer itself is six petitions. The first three petitions are really for God and God's kingdom. And the last three petitions are really for us and our needs. So today I'm going to pick up um, in the second of the last three petitions for us, which is forgiveness. Uh, perhaps you know a little bit about forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is one of those things that we love to receive, but we have a little bit of a hard time giving it. Anyone agree with that? Maybe I'm alone. But also, one of the things that I have found extremely powerful is I don't think that you can say the Lord's Prayer too many times when you're gathered with family in this building. So what I want to do is I want to read it together. It'll be up on the screen, um, but we're going to pick it up in verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the good news about forgiveness is, as I said, we can all relate to it. Um, It's something that we see in our everyday life. Many of us have been forgiven. Many of us have given forgiveness to people. But today, I really want to break it down so that we can experience the deepness of this verse that Jesus intended to give us. So let's start with talking about debt. Um, I I know enough about debt that I know it's not good. Um, and, And Webster's Dictionary defines debt as something that is owed or due. And and we as Americans understand what debt is. Debt is um, things that we're willing to use credit for. So perhaps you use uh, credit for um, food, Starbucks, of course, um, clothes, vacations, you know, all of the things that we deem are necessary or that we want. So as Americans, we're very well versed in what debt looks like. So I did a little bit of uh, studying on debt, and I found some really interesting statistics that I want to share with you. Did you know that the average American family has over $8,000 in credit card debt? Did you know that the average American family has or have had over $50,000 in student loan debt? The American family has over $28,000 in auto loan debt. And excluding mortgages, the average American family has over $132,000 in debt. Does that surprise you? It surprised me. So, you know, we like to figure out ways to get participation. So I was really racking my brain on how can I do that with a group like this. And here's what I came up with. 
I've got a couple of microphones up here and I'll have some people come up and grab them. And what I want you to do is if you think you have the most debt in this room, I want you to raise your hand and we're gonna bring the microphone to you and you can tell us about how much debt you have. So who wants to start? No one. I thought that was a bad idea too. And what I noticed is that when I say that to you, most of us begin to feel what that burden of debt looks like. We started, some of you got maybe a little bit of a nervous sweat. I saw some of you starting to look at the exits to see if you could get out before anyone would see you. Some of you even picked up your phone and you were already emailing Alex to make sure I'm never up here again. But that burden of debt is heavy. It's tough. People spend sleepless nights thinking about their debt and how they would possibly ever be able to get out of it. Now, thankfully for you and for me, uh, today is not a financial intervention. I'm not going to talk to you about your financial debt, but what I do want to talk to you about is your spiritual debt. And, and, And the way I like to do things is I like to visually see things. So I'm going to show you something that perhaps some of you that are more visual learners um, can relate to. If not, don't pay attention to it. But we're going to look up on the screen here and we're going to have our first icon be God. And we're going to give God the title of creditor. And then we've got us, lowly us, and we're going to give ourselves the title of debtor. Now, we know that when someone is in debt to a creditor, that something is owed, because that's what we just learned. But what we do know about our God is that our God's a little bit different than Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. Our God is good, but our God is also just. So our God does keep track of your debt. And perhaps um, if if we took a look at your debt ledger, it might look something like this. Maybe it says that you've lied. Maybe you've lied to a spouse recently, or you're hiding something. Or or maybe you've gossiped about someone in your family to kind of give them a bad reputation. Or, Or maybe you cheated on your work production in order to get that promotion that everybody wanted. Most most of us have had or have a very lengthy debt ledger. Would you agree with that? We got more interaction from the first service. Are you are you awake? So when we look at scripture, scripture reminds us about debt. As a matter of fact, it says the wages of sin or debt is death. So we know, what we know about death is that death is not alive. We know death is not thriving. We know death is not fullness and freedom. There's heaviness to debt and death. So we also know with our creditor, because he's just and that he keeps track, he doesn't look at debt the same way we do. The way he sees our debt is he doesn't want you to live in shame and regret and guilt. He doesn't want you to be squashed by the sin and the debt in your life. So he created a way for your debt to be forgiven. If we look at the Old Testament, we can see multiple times where death 
was the wages of sin. We saw multiple sacrifices that took place, and the death of those animals were the symbolic way of cleansing of people. And God provided that as a way to to wipe away those, uh, to cleanse the people. However, God knew that those things were only temporary. They They were only making a minimum payment on a much bigger debt. And we know, or maybe you don't, when you make a minimum payment on a much bigger debt, you end up paying for it forever, and you pay for it two, three, four, five times more than you intended to. So God created another way to pay for your debt, and this is where Jesus comes in. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8 through 10, it says, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. But then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I think that deserves an amen. Thank you. So in other words, Jesus came to this world, lived a completely flawless life without sin. However, Jesus still took on your debt by being nailed to a cross, harassed, tortured, so that your debt ledger could look like this, where your debt is now paid in full. So I've got good news for you. If you've been carrying around this burden, the stuff that keeps you up at night, the things that you think, God, how would I ever pay back? The bad news is your good deeds are not going to pay off your debt. Your debt's already been paid by Jesus. So the best news I can tell you today is that there is more mercy and grace in God than there is sin in you and I. That's good news because I can't help but to continue to add to my ledger. It's my human nature that I still have sin in my life that I, I, I have to continue to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please forgive me. So when you enter into that relationship and that forgiveness does become yours, there's some maintaining, just like with every relationship that you have to do. That's on you to do. But thankfully, our father treats us very much like we do our own, where my kids, who can absolutely drive me crazy, can be sent to their rooms multiple times and wear out my brand new carpet back and forth to their rooms. It doesn't change that I still love them. It doesn't change that I still want them to live in freedom and fullness and all of the things that God has for their life. So, That's why Jesus says in the scripture that it's important that we come to him daily and say, Father, forgive me. Because if we fail to confess that, then we risk losing out on the fullness and freedom that God intends for us. Now, as good a news as that is, the verse doesn't stop there. The verse goes on to say, forgive us our debts, But it also says, as we have forgiven our debtors. Can you think of anyone who owes you something? 
who's in debt to you? Pastor Jay and I are usually always in debt to one another because one of us will be out and we'll text the other and say, hey, I'm gonna stop and get coffee. You want me to pick you up something? The answer is always yes. And I say, well, I'll send you money. No, 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 you paid for it last time. Now, Pastor Jay also has taken advantage of my inability to remember things. And Pastor Jay is probably 10 coffees in debt to me at this point. We all know what it's like to have someone who is in debt to you. So when we look back at our illustration here, it's important that we add a third group to them. Let's call them those people. You know, when you go to God and you say, Father, forgive me of my sins. But those people, they did me wrong. Let's go get them. They deserve, they deserve bad stuff, God. So we have those people who now become debtors, the title we give them. But what's important to that is to recognize, did you notice your title doesn't change? At no point do you become creditor. God is always the creditor. So they're in debt to you. And when we chase those things of fairness, we start chasing things like selfish justice for them. And let me tell you the difference between selfish justice and forgiveness. Selfish justice says, I'm going to give you what you gave to me. Now, forgiveness, on the other hand, is I'm going to give you what God gave to me. Very different things. Can you see in your life perhaps where you get those two mixed up a little bit? I know I can. When we look at the selfish justice that we're trying to obtain for these people, we also have to understand that doesn't help your relationship with God. As a matter of fact, it fractures your relationship with God. So Jesus knew we would have a problem with this. So he talks about it in scripture. We're gonna move forward to uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, where our our guy Peter, we love Peter, Most of us have more Peter in us than we care to admit. But Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who has sinned against me? Up to seven times? So Peter's just showing here he's a great Christian. Not only is he going to forgive them, but he's going to forgive them seven times. You know, that magic number seven. Peter's the man right here. But then Jesus said, nope. Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So Jesus completely deflates Peter here. But it's important that we understand that Jesus isn't talking about numbers here. He's not not giving you a cap. So you can't leave here today and start taking tally when you get home of the person that you've had a hard time forgiving and say, I'm at 75, I've only got two more times and I'm clear. That's not what he's saying here. What Jesus is saying is that there's no cap. However many times you think you should forgive someone, it's more than that. And he's proving that forgiveness is a continual process. It's something you do over and over and over and over. So after that, Jesus tells a parable. For those of you that aren't familiar with a parable, a parable is a fictional story that Jesus tells that has a deeper meaning. So when Jesus starts telling parables, it's usually not a good time to zone out or to take a nap something good's about to be told to you. So in verse 23, Jesus says, 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, I'm going to pause there because I am not a financial historian, but I do have the same access to this incredible church internet that Pastor Alex does. And the internet that's never wrong tells me that the equivalent of 10,000 bags of gold is about $6 billion. That's a big debt of $6 billion. Dave Ramsey is not getting you out of $6 billion of debt. I can promise you that. But we pick it back up in verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So this incredible debt that this servant has, the master takes pity on him and forgives it. But we also have to understand that the debt we're talking about here in these days is not, not the kind of financial debt of $6 billion that Jesus is painting the picture here. $6 billion or debt in general in this time was your life. If you couldn't pay your debts, you were going to be jailed, you were going to be tortured, or even killed. Sometimes all three. So the debt here isn't just a financial debt that the servant owes. Uh, rather, it is, it's his life. It's what he owes his life to the master. But Jesus isn't just talking about financial debts as we haven't been. He's painting the picture that this is a $6 billion debt that could never be paid back. A debt so big that no one in this room right now could pay off $6 billion worth of debt in your lifetime. And again, this is a great time to raise your hand. If you can, I would love to have lunch with you today. But this is a huge debt. This is a, a, an astronomical amount that could never be paid off, and that's what Jesus is trying to prove, that the master forgave it and let it go. Now, you would think that this servant, who just had this incredible debt wiped clean, would go on to live a completely different life. That he would, he would live a life of mercy as his number one priority for all those around him. But Jesus throws a curveball to us here. And in verse 28, it says, but, then, but when that servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who, fought, who owed him a hundred silver coins. It's about the equivalent of about $8,000, a little bit less than $6 billion. But he grabbed the man and began to choke him. He said, pay back what you owe to me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, please be patient with me and I will pay it all back. But then the servant refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all of your debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what was owed. Jesus ends here and he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you begin or unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. 
So the same servant who had this incredible big debt decides that it's a good idea to hold another servant with a much smaller debt ransom for it. Now, let's put this in our perspective. What we see here is a reminder that as Christians, we have no business chasing forgiveness when you decide it's an okay thing to hold somebody else's debt and ransom. When you don't forgive someone, you're basically admitting that I don't understand the price that was paid to pay my own debt. That's a dangerous place for us to be. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Alex preached on thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we don't forgive, we're saying thy kingdom come, but my will be done. We have to understand that forgiveness is not an option. It's expected. As a matter of fact, forgiveness is the kingdom standard. We're required as people of God to forgive people. It's not an option. So when we look and we say, okay, well, well, that's the standard. How can we put this into our own lives? How can we understand this for our own selves? I've got three points that I want to make about forgiveness. Number one, forgiving someone doesn't necessarily mean there's reconciliation. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're going to be going to dinner with them on Friday. It doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends again. It doesn't mean that you're even going to be acquaintances on Facebook. Forgiveness doesn't mean that everything's going to be the way it was before. But that's okay. That's not what God intended it to be. Second point. Forgiveness is not about, it does not mean you're forgetting it. Some of you have had some really terrible things that have happened to you. And I can't possibly relate to the hurt and the pain that's been in your life. But when we say that we don't need to forget about it or that that God expects you to forget about it, what we're saying is that God believes that when you give it to him, that he will work through you so that it's not something that you're dwelling on and that you're stuck in and that you can let go of. That's the trust part. And then finally, the last and what I think is the most important part. Forgiveness is not mean you condone it. My kids love to wrestle. And probably only in my house, none of yours, it usually gets out of hand. And because he's not in here and he can't fight with me, usually Easton hits Brinley too hard. And when he hits her, she cries, he cries, everybody gets separated. But when things calm down, we bring them together and we say, Easton, is there something you need to say to Brindley? And against his will, usually, he will say, sissy, I'm sorry. And she'll do what we think we should do. He'll look at her and say, or she'll look at him and say, Easton, it's okay. Forgiving someone doesn't mean it's okay. Whatever happened to you doesn't mean that it's okay. What forgiveness is, is saying, God, this may not be all right, but I trust you to make it right. That's how we are called to forgive and not have the, not necessarily condone it. I've told you things that forgiveness is not. Let me tell you what forgiveness is. 
Forgiveness does mean you're not gonna carry it around anymore. Forgiveness does mean that you're ready to experience the freedom and the fullness that God has for your life because you want to hand it over to him. That's, forgiveness does mean that. Last week, Pastor Alex preached about um, give us this day our daily bread. And earlier last week, he and I were talking about his message and my message and something he said that just resonated with me all last week and this week is when we say give us this day our daily bread and we're looking to a God that we have been told and that we know will provide every one of our needs, every single one of them. Forgiveness or lack of forgiveness, is looking at other people to give you something that they can't possibly give you. When you have a God that has promised you that he will give you every single thing you need, why are we looking at other people to give it to us? That just, that stuck with me all week because I've put so much weight into other people being able to provide me something that God's already promised me that he'll provide. You've probably heard the saying that hurt people hurt people. Church, we need to understand that forgiven people forgive people. It is time for us to let these things go. The things that you have just clenched your fist and held on to, situations and people. God did not create you to carry that burden. He did not send Jesus to this world to be nailed to a cross so that you would have to be nailed to one every day. You're not created for that. It's time for you to let those things go and let God work through you and let him show you the freedom that comes with forgiveness. So the next few minutes, the band is gonna sing a song called Come to the Altar. I have a call of action for you. In the seats in front of you or around you, there are cards. I want you to grab that card while, while I'm talking about it. On that card, that is your debt ledger. And during this song, I want you to spend time in prayer and reflection. And I want you to think about on that ledger, what are the things that you need to ask for forgiveness for? The things you need to confess to God. What are the things, the situations that you just can't seem to let go of? If you're online, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a piece of paper and I want you to write those same things out. If you're watching on your phone, I want you to go to your notes app and I want you to type in those things. Now, people, the people here, during this song, I want you to act on the call of the song, which is come to the altar. The Father's arms are open. He's waiting for you to decide you don't want to carry that burden anymore. And when you do that, I promise you, you will feel some freedom in that. If you're online, I want you to tear that piece of paper up and I want you to say audibly out loud, God, this is yours. If you're on your notes app, I want you to highlight it and delete it all and I want you to say, God, I trust you to make this right. This is the first step. This is how we move forward in forgiveness, is turning it over to God. It's time for us to let God know this may not be all right, but I trust you, God, to make it right. Father, I thank you for the incredible gift that forgiveness is. And most importantly, I thank you for the ability to take that gift 
and go share it with the world around me. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this time of prayer reflection, that you would just be working in the hearts of the people sitting here right now, that you would be breaking chains and strongholds and the things that we just can't seem to move on from. I pray that you would urge us to get up out of our seats and bring it to the altar and say, God, it's yours now. I'm not meant to carry this burden anymore. And I trust you to give me the forgiveness that I need for this situation. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for our time together this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.